In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us in the most blessed sacrament. This weekend, um, our Sunday Mass reading, uh, the Gospel reading for Sunday Mass, is the account of, Lord, your first miracle, the um, miracle at the wedding feast at Cana. And what that allows us in in this year C of the lectionary cycle is the full celebration of the Epiphany. Because the Epiphany is not just the visit of the Magi that we celebrate on January 6th or on the second Sunday after Christmas where it's moved. Rather, the Epiphany is is three miracles, three manifestations, three distinct moments. It's the visit of the Magi with the guidance of the star. It's the Lord, your baptism, uh, in, by John in the Jordan River. And then it is this, this third um, uh, event of the wedding feast at Cana. And in the church's liturgy, this is abundantly clear. Uh, and so it's wonderful that we get to celebrate it. At the Mass is sweet. It's kind of our third epiphany. Um, I, in families where the epiphany, right, is the day that you give presents. Well, I don't know if I was a kid, I'd say, all right, we get three, right? There's three epiphanies. There's, it's not just the one. It's, the, it's not just the three kings, right? It's, it's the epiphany, and there's three of those, right? It, um, the, for example, the uh, antiphon for the gospel canticle on the Feast of the Epiphany, the Epiphany uh, with the Magi, uh, which we call just the Epiphany, uh, reads, Today the bridegroom claims his bride, the church since Christ has washed her sins away in the Jordan's waters, right? So the baptism in the Jordan. The Magi hasten with their gifts to the royal wedding, and the wedding guests rejoice, for Christ has changed water into wine. Alleluia, right? Also in the um, evening prayer of the church, it's three mysteries mark this holy day. Today the star leads the Magi to the infant Christ. Today, water is changed into wine for the wedding feast. Today, Christ wills to be baptized in the, by John in the River Jordan to bring us salvation, right? It's, um, it's these three are very united. And so this year, we are able to celebrate uh, all three, uh, our three different occurrences of the Epiphany. And so, Lord, as we contemplate tonight in your presence and reflect on this beauty of the the, bap- the, uh, the miracle at Cana, the, the wedding feast at Cana, um, we hear from, from your friend, St. John, tells us about this. John himself was probably there, right? He was one of the ones that John the Baptist pointed out. And so we have this series of calls. And so on the third day, um, we hear, on the third day, there was a, a marriage, a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was also invited with his disciples. Now, just that um, is, is setting the scene, and I think particularly in these um, 
these Friday night meditations starting the weekend right. I think that this is a very important um, piece because we're all called to apostolate. We're all called to, to the spreading of the gospel, to being real apostles in the midst of the world, and particularly all those who are called to, to live out their holiness in the lay state are not, the, the laity are not just those who are not priests or religious, defined primarily by a negativity. Rather, those who are in the lay state are called to live out the fullness of holiness right in the middle of the world and its affairs and to transform all the things of the world to the glory of God, right? To, to order all things to the praise of God, to the spreading of the gospel. And so the, the, those in the lay state are, are called to be very involved in the things of the world and, and are not removed from it. Uh, so right there in the midst of the world. And so um, with regard to this wedding, is that there's a wedding, right? And, and Our Lady is invited, right? Our mother, she's, whether she's a close, close relative or, or a friend of the family, or however it goes, they, they invite Mary to their wedding, right? She's, she's on the list, um, they invite her, and, and then Jesus also comes. And that's how it goes with us so often. People, they invite us to things, and they should. They, you know, it's good when our friends and our family uh, and people in social circles invite us to different things, weddings, birthday parties, just to have dinner, whatever it may be. That's good. We should go. It's like, well, please come to my wedding. no. I'm going to be praying because I'm trying to be holy, right? <laughs> no, go, go to the wedding, right? Go to the wedding. Go, go to the celebration. They invited Our Lady, and, but with Mary comes Jesus, right? Um, it's kind of presumed that Jesus went because Mary was there, right? The way that it's kind of told, there's a wedding kid in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and so Jesus was also invited, um, and that that's how that goes with those of us who are in the lay state, those of you who are in the lay state. I'm not in the lay state, but in the lay state, living in the middle of the world, um, when you get invited, well, Jesus comes with you, right? The goal is you bring Jesus to the wedding. You bring him to the party. You, you bring him with you. When you go, Christ comes with you. You are, we all are, baptized, other Christ, alter Christus, ipse Christus. Other Christ, Christ himself. And so every circumstance, every noble circumstance, right? Every noble, good circumstance is an opportunity for evangelization. It's an opportunity for bringing Jesus along with us to all of these things so we should never see that there's, you know, oh, this circumstance, that's removed, right? I'll check my Christianity at the door. no. Everything. Jesus comes right along with us. What a great gift that is. Um, I'm terrible at gift giving. It's not my love language, right? I don't, I don't do it well at all. Um, it's very, very bad. Maybe at this point, you know, uh, very neglectfully so that I just, I don't give gifts. Um, but what better gift could we give than to bring our Lord with us, right? When you go to a wedding, it's like, I don't know, so usually the wedding parties I go to are weddings that I've celebrated. And so it's like, hey, I married you. I'm not bringing a gift. Like my gift is my signature on your marriage license. That's, um, there you go, right? But, um, but no, like you bring a gift. Well, we bring Jesus with us. Like that's, that's better than any new toaster or Instant Pot or whatever, right? To bring Jesus along with us.
You could just spend the whole time, Lord, in prayer with you, contemplating just the setting of that scene. But we got to move on. And so when the wine failed, when the wine, okay, good, we get three more words further, right? When the wine failed. I love, I love the way that that is phrased. When the wine failed. Um, it's not if, it's not, it wasn't a matter of if, like the wine ran out. But like the way it's kind of, when the wine failed. Um, it's not like a declare, like at that wedding, they happened to run out of wine. The wine failed. It failed. It was, it was, it wasn't enough. And in a purely natural way, oftentimes our wine is, is not enough, right? It's, we're going to run out. We're, we're going to run out of steam. If we're just running on, on nature alone, uh, we're going to totally, it, it will fail. Uh, I love uh, the movie Miracle about the 1980 hockey team um, that defeated the USSR. And um, in that movie, the coach is after a, a kind of uh, rough game, trying to really get these guys to understand what they're up against. If you're really going to compete against the Russian hockey team, you, you got to know what you're doing. You got to be unified. But, but he says at a certain point that... Um, as he's now drilling them after having uh, this game, not such a good performance, he says, you, you think you could waltz in here and win on talent alone? You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone, right? We think that we could maybe just waltz around and win on nature alone. We don't have enough nature. Our nature is weak. It's broken. We don't have enough nature to win on nature alone. Oh, we're going to, geez, I'm going to win the world for you, but I'm going to do it on nature alone. Oh, no, that's, that's going to be a, when the wine failed, that wine of our nature, where it just, it's just not enough. We just can't do it. In my own kind of situation, being the pastor of these four parishes, seven churches, right? Location director, the whole thing. It's like there's just not enough hours in the day, right? You actually get to a point where it's like I, you can put in good 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, and it's just not enough time. You just can't get done everything you have to do. All right. When the wine failed. If my success, Jesus, demands on how many hours there are in a day, it'll fail. 100% of the time. It's just not enough. When the wine failed. And what happens when the wine fails? Well, Mary notices. Something beautiful about, about Our Lady, right? It doesn't say that... Um, you know, there was, big, there was a big commotion. Because you get the impression, like, Mary notices and she tells, she tells Jesus, which means that it's not public knowledge yet. Um, so she notices. She pays attention. She, she's she, she's a, being attentive to details. There's a beautiful, um, that's a beautiful way of going about being attentive, noticing these things, noticing where there's, where there's need. Um, Mary knows what's going on. She, she's playing with a full deck. She's, she's the Immaculate Conception, right? So she knows that just nature alone is going to fail. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She just tells him. Tells him like it is. Tells it like it is. She goes to her son. They have no wine. Um, she brings it to him. And that should be, you know, that she does that for us, actually. Mary intercedes for us in a beautiful way. That when our wine fails, and particularly sometimes in the church, in secular New England, it could feel like, like our wine is run out. 
right? Whatever cultural Catholicism we had is gone. Um, and so the wine has failed, right? Where, where are the thousands of people that should be in our churches? We educated thousands of people in our Catholic schools, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe. Well, where are they? <laughs> where are they now, right? What's, what's happening now? Where is every single alumnus, alumni of a Catholic school, alumnus or alumna of a Catholic school? Where are they now that, you know, our church pews are empty? Well, when the wine fails, Mary goes right to Jesus and she just tells him, Jesus, this is it, we're out of wine. <laughs> They're out of wine. <laughs> they have no wine. Now, it's a beautiful thing that uh, this, this is how we bring our, our prayer to Jesus, right? This should be our, our prayers of intercession. There's no indication in any other way that um, that Jesus would be like working miracles, right? That, oh, well, we ran out of flour, so well, Jesus will just make more, right? There's no indication that this was a normal thing for Jesus to just multiply stuff around the house. In fact, um, for 30 years, she lived with her son. This is from uh, Edward Lean, a spiritual writer. For 30 years, she had lived with her son during all that time Uh, And during all that time, nothing but everyday human means had been taken to cope with the necessities that arose from time to time, right? Whenever there would be need, there wouldn't do special stuff. There's no indication that it's actually your hidden life, Lord. You worked. You worked for it all. Frequently in Nazareth, there would be the usual interchange of goods and good offices between neighbors, right? Mutual borrowings, lendings to meet special transient needs. Jesus He's a carpenter, so he'd work, right? Okay, well, you happen to have some crops, and we need that. You know, we'll, we'll fix your door frame. We'll do so, whatever it could have been, right? We work for it all. Um, there's, no, there's no indication that there was, this was a, like a, a regular thing, that Jesus would just be working miracles um, to, to fix these you know, daily things. No, the Holy Family, they lived a very normal, very normal life. But even in the midst of this, Mary goes to Jesus, right? They have no wine. Mary on this occasion, Father Lean goes on, Mary on this occasion knew perfectly well that Jesus had neither money nor means to command an immediate supply of wine, right? It's like, he, he's not gonna, okay, here's, here's a couple gold pieces, right? Go buy more wine. No, he, he doesn't have the money for that. Uh, we get the, he's, probably, he's probably pretty poor, very poor. Um, and not just a voluntary poverty. They probably lived in, in you know, uh, just real poverty of their small town. He doesn't have the means to command any immediate supply of wine. But she trusted him to find a way out of the impasse, right? She doesn't ask for a miracle. She simply lays bare the pressing need and leaves the rest to his discretion. And this is an admirable way of praying. One merely exposes the wants of one's soul before the Lord, and having unfolded them before him, one expectantly and confidently fixes the gaze of the Spirit on the divine countenance. Right? They have no wine. We're just going to lay it bare. You, you decide what you want to do. If you want to do something, we have no wine. Jesus, we need, we need 
many more souls to know you. Many, many more holy souls, right? We need saints. We need evangelists. We need apostles. We need priests. I mean, that's, you pray about this with vocations, and it should be something that each of us, Jesus, talks to about. We have no priests. <laughs> we have very, very, very few priests. And the, the, the need is, is uh, crushing. Jesus, hey, we have no priests, right? We need more priests, okay? But you do what you want, Lord. If you want us to experience the, the famine of vocations, if you want us to experience a famine of apostolate and co-workers in the vineyard among ourselves engaged in the things of the world, if you want us to, you know, maybe we need to learn that cultural Catholicism isn't just dead, but it needs to be buried. And so we're going to have to go through that death. We haven't learned. You know, you think about the Israelites being sent off in the Babylonian exile. And it's just like they're just, they're just not getting it. They're just not getting it. Or 40 years wandering in the desert. They're just not getting it. And so, Jesus, maybe we're going through that period of purification. Maybe. And so we say, we, we have, this is what we need. You'll, you'll find a way out of the impasse. Or if you need us to, to feel the pinch of the poverty, okay. Lord, whatever you want. And in my own life, wherever I feel like I'm lacking wine, right? I'm, I'm really, there, there's some lack, there's some need, okay. Jesus, I'm going to tell you, I don't have this, I don't have that. But whatever you want, fiat, let it be done, right? Mary's, Mary's motto is fiat. Let it be done, okay? Whatever you want. And so she just says that. They have no wine. Now Jesus replies, O woman, what have you to do with me? Now, that, uh, I don't really like that translation. Um, you know, what is this to you and to me is, is more better. Like, you know, what is this to you and to me? Right? How does this concern us? What's, what is this to us, to you and to me? And the title here, woman, is, is not, um, it's not derogatory in any way. It's, it's you know, uh, it's a, a pray, O oh, oh woman. What, what is this for you? There's a wedding going on. Jesus is the new Adam, and Mary is standing for the church, who, and she herself is the new Eve. And he calls her woman twice. Mary only appears twice in the whole Gospel of John. In all of John's Gospel, Mary's only there twice. At the wedding at Cana and at the crucifixion. That's it. Both weddings, right? Jesus is the bridegroom on the cross. And so one wedding is foreshadowing another. When now it's fulfilling, he says, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Mary here is the new, the new woman, the new Eve. So woman, Eve, the new Eve. What does this have to do with us? What is this to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Right, the hour on the cross, the hour will come. But my hour is not, in, in Fulton Sheen, when he talks about this, he talks about, you know, this is Jesus saying to Mary, like, do you realize what this is, what this is going to lead to, right? If you're, you're bringing me this need, but do you realize what, what this, when, when we start down this path of working miracles and doing signs, right, and all these things, and however this goes, um, this, is not, this ends ultimately with, with the cross. 
And so, so Mary, do you, do you know? Mary, do you know? Right? Mary, do you know what this, what this is going to be? Woman, mom, do you realize that starting this right here, this ultimately will lead within two and a half short years to my death? Right? Do you, real, do you realize and your role in it, right? This isn't, Mary didn't have her role just at the birth and now she's kind of a passive spectator, but she has a role in this. He's the new Adam, but she's the new Eve. Woman, what, what is this to me and to you? My, my hour's not yet come, but it's on its way. And so Mary consents, just like she had to at the Annunciation. You know, she could have easily, this conversation, again, it's just between the two of them right now. And so she could have easily, poof, I'm not ready for that right now. But that's not Mary's style. That's not her lady's style. Praying with this and just contemplating our mother. Like, imagine that. How many times if, if we go to our Lord with some need, Jesus, we need this, we need that. And the answer is, okay, but this is going to lead to the cross. And it's not just me, but you too. Like, are you, are you willing to suffer for this? Are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to even to die? We need, we need more priests. Okay, are you willing to die for that? Right? If that's what it takes, are you willing to die for that? We need more, more saints. We need holiness. Well, are you willing to suffer whatever that, whatever that may bring with it? You know, it can be very easy to say, no, let's pretend we never had this conversation. No one needs to know, right? No one needs to. And Mary, Our Lady, could have done that. She wouldn't. It's completely out of character for her. But she could have. Just backpedal a little. No? No, I actually don't want that. Maybe sometimes we do that. Well, I want this. Well, here's the cost. Mm, let's pretend I didn't ask. I do that. I mean, in a less dramatic way, I just, I did it actually a few times this week. Where it's like, ooh, I want this new thing for the church, right? Here's something I'd really like. Uh, it'd be really nice. It's a couple thousand dollars. Mm, I don't really want it. Let's, let's pretend I didn't call, right? Oh, I'll... I'll call back if I'm interested, right? No, you ask for something, you realize the cost is too high. Mm, never mind. Let's, we don't need to involve anyone else here. I don't want that anymore. Um, well, in a much more serious way, Jesus, this is what I want. We have no wine. Okay. But do you realize your role in this too? This isn't hand off our problems to Jesus and he takes care of them and we check out. You have a role. I have a role. When we come to Jesus, we're involved. We're real actors. And so Mary gives her parting words in the gospel. The last thing Mary ever says in any of the gospels, do whatever he tells you, right? She, no, she's 100% consenting. She's on board. So she tells the servants that are there, do whatever he tells you. Whatever, whatever he tells, it actually, the way it's phrased in the Greek is like, whatsoever he tells you, do it, right? Um, and that, that's, that's a great way Our Lady our lady kind of leaves the scene. She doesn't say another word the whole time. Her last words to us, whatever he tells you, do it. Um, she's in 100%, and so should we be. And so that's, that's, how, that's her motherly instruction to us. And we're not even halfway through the gospel. Um, and so Jesus tells them, um, and maybe we can... Let's see where we go. Um, so there are six stone jars there, each holding 20 or 30 gallons, right? About 150 gallons total, right? If you take 20 or 30, half of that's 25 times six, 
150. And so Jesus tells, fill the jars with water, right? Fill them with water. A priest pointed out to me about this passage in about a year, year and a half ago, that I think, okay, fill them with water, and um, we get the hose, and 150. I have been known on occasion to brew beer, um, and when you need to fill even just like a 10-gallon thing with water, you get the hose, you start filling, and it's very boring, right? Just waiting and waiting and waiting for 10, 15. Oh, it's got to get 15 if your group brewing 10 gallons of beer because it burns off. We're talking 150 gallons. And they don't have a hose. There's no plumbing, right? This is not a world of indoor plumbing. So they have no hose. They have no sink. You have to manually go to the well, pull up a bucket, bring it over, and dump it in, and do that. However, mathematically, you could try to figure out what an average bucket holds, how many trips to the well you have to make um, to fill up 150 gallons of water. Right? That is not an easy task. Um, that would have taken a long time. hope no one's wine glasses ran too empty as they were doing that. Right? A lot of these pictures you see the wedding feast of Cana, it's... Um, it's like these little tiny jars, right? Oh, we got a, just a few little tiny jars there, right? A 25-gallon barrel, six of them, and they have to fill them with buckets from a well. And what do we hear they do? And they filled them to the brim. This is one of my go-to wedding homilies because it's so beautiful, um, they have to fill these things, and they fill them to the brim. Jesus, you'd say, fill up the jars with water. And the servant's like, oh, okay. What? What? Mary said, do whatever he tells us. We'll do it. That, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be really labor-intensive. It's going to take a long time. And you would think, you're almost there, right? You almost get there. And the jars are like, they're each about 99% full. And it's good enough. We don't need to make that extra trip or two to the well. No, they fill them to the brim. When you think about that in John's memory of this, right, all the way up to the top, filling them to the brim. They're going to they're gonna over... It's, they've given everything they can. That should be a motto for us. When we follow our Lady's command, do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you, do it. And we listen and we're effective in that. Think about these servants. Mary told them and they're going to do it. And so when they fill up the jars with water, it's not... Three quarters of the way, 80%, 85%, 90%, 95%, 98%, They fill them to the brim, 100%. I used to play jokes on people in seminary that if you're filling up someone's water glass, someone's like, oh, keep pour, you know, I pour myself some water. Someone's like, oh, keep pour, fill me up, sure. And you fill that to, you fill someone's, you know, glass to the brim with water, they get so upset. It's very funny, but they get very upset. Because you can't move it without spilling, right? When it's filled all the way up, um, you can't move without spilling. When something's filled to the brim, it's all the way full, right? And it's that just that moment of physics, and I don't know where it is, where it almost looks like the water is, is above the level. I don't know how that works, but it, uh, it's cool, right? That, that's, they fill it up all this way, Lord, out of love for you, in, in obedience to your command. They fill it to the brim. And you say, okay. Now take it to the head waiter, right? Go, um, take, it, take it to the master of the feast, right? 
the steward of the feast. Take it to him. Now, if they're looking for wine and you're a servant, right? Again, we got to think servant mentality. Jesus says, take some of this, bring it to him to drink. It's well water. If you're a servant and you bring to a guy running this big thing who's probably panicking because there's no, there's no wine, and you bring him a cup of water, you're a servant, you're going to get a beaten at the end of the day, right? Like they, they didn't say, they weren't too nice to servants then, right? Um, this is going to cause you physical harm. They're going to beat you up for this because you decided to be a smart aleck and bring the waiter, the head waiter, the steward, the guy in charge of the whole party, you brought him a glass of water when they're looking for wine. But again, whatever he tells you, do it. And so, this is a dangerous situation. I don't know what I'm doing. Fine. I fill this thing up to the brim all the way. Now you want me to go, I could get beat up for this, but okay. This is what I'm told to do. Jesus, you tell me to do this. I don't understand how it works. This is personal danger to me after laboring to get the water all the way in here in the first place. And boom, it's turned to wine. Your first miracle, Lord. Um, with obedience and participation on all sides. And so as we pray with this, this is, this is your manifestation to us, but it calls us to do something, to bring our needs to you, to recognize that we have a role in them, to do whatever you tell us, even when it means a lot of work, to not cut any corners, but filling it to the brim, and then even when there may be a personal danger to ourselves, even when I don't, I don't want to get beat up because of this, right? Have I ever spread the gospel in such a way that I thought, you know, I could get beat up for this. Um, okay, you know, Lord, if you said me, amen, I'll go. We should, let, we should pray with this scene and sit with it and let our mother teach us to see all the details of it as she was there. So Jesus, you can, you can manifest yourself to us in this great epiphany miracle, changing water into wine. You, the bridegroom, we, your church of the bride, um, now sharing in your glory forever. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.